Good morning, church. Oh, wow. We're really sleepy. Good morning, church. How's it going? All right. Everybody wake up. We need to stand up and stretch, do anything. Okay, we're good. All right. My name is Stephen Pollard. I'm the associate pastor here at Gateway. Um, and it's a, a blessing to be with you guys again. Uh, it's, it's a rare opportunity that I get like multiple weeks in a row to, to be able to preach. So thank you all for allowing me to, to have this, this blessing. And so we're going to continue our um, series in Proverbs. So last week was Mother's Day and we were in Proverbs 31. Uh, this week we're going to flip all the way back to the beginning again. We're going to be uh, at the start of Proverbs in Proverbs 3. Um, and it's been a, a crazy month. I had somebody refer to uh, the month of May uh, as, as May-cember, that it's just as crazy as December, and, and, and it's, it's true. It's nuts. We just had men's uh, retreat over the weekend, and, and it was a huge blessing. So if you didn't get the opportunity to come uh, this year, make sure you, uh, you come next year because you get to wear a t-shirt to church, and it's a huge blessing. You get to, don't have to dress up. Uh, my grandparents are probably very frustrated as they look online right now, and I'm not wearing a button-up shirt, uh, but they'll survive. Uh, but we had men's retreat this weekend. Last week we had uh, Mother's Day and, and, and uh, the, the parent-child dedications. Now we're recognizing uh, our seniors uh, this Sunday. And as I was writing this message, I had really our, our seniors on my heart extremely heavy because I was thinking about um, all the decisions that they're going to have to have over the next several years and big decisions um, that they're, they're going to have to make. And as I look at them on stage and I just think to myself, like, they don't know anything. And they're about to make some big decisions because I know where I was at. Like, I didn't know anything. And I was about to make some very, very huge uh, life-changing decisions. Uh, and my prayer for them is that their testimonies would... would shout during the season of their life of who Jesus Christ is and what he's done for them. Because I know my testimony, and I know a lot of testimonies that are in this church of like growing up in church, and then you go off and you have a little bit of freedom, and, and your testimony goes from this full pursuit uh, of who uh, Jesus Christ is to a, a season of uh, pursuing yourself and pursuing your flesh. And then through a series of, of bad decisions, uh, you find yourself back to the Lord. Um, and I know so many testimonies that are, that are like that. Um, and I was praying over our seniors that, that that wouldn't be that their testimony, that their testimony would be in full pursuit of the Lord, not free from trial or difficulty, not free from, from the redemption of bad decisions, but that Christ would remain number one. And so I'm excited that us as a church, we get to pray for them uh, as they walk into to this next season. Because your life is deci decided, defined by the decisions that you make and what are the consequences of, of what are those, those decisions that we have. And so some of those decisions that we make, they have long-lasting consequences. And so in Galatians 6-7, it says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. So I think about the consequences of the decisions that we make or the blessing of, of the decisions that we make. And what God's telling us in Scripture is, is that there are repercussions, consequences, and blessings that come through the decisions that we make in order to uh, pursue Christ to the fullest. So that we can pursue Him in the decisions that we make. And those paths might be challenging at times, but they also might be filled with blessing. 
We can pursue ourself in those times, and we trust God's redemption on the other end of those bad paths that we choose. And so it made me think a little bit about my testimony this week of things like I grew up in, in a Christian home. My grandparents were absolutely amazing uh, believers. I, I was a little bit of a Christian mutt. We grew up in more charismatic world and, and then found ourselves uh, in the Methodist church when I was 13, and that's where I came to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Um, I remember, uh, I've shared this before, but I was an acolyte in my Methodist church, so I got to wear a robe on Sundays. No t-shirts allowed. Got to wear the full robe, and I would light all the candles on stage, and at the end of the sermon, I would go put out all the candles um, on stage. But in the midst of our pastor preaching, he would bring all the kids forward, and he would give a, a kid sermon every single week. And I remember coming to know the Lord in one of those kids' sermons and talking to him and being baptized. And I had a call uh, to ministry on my life at the very beginning of my pursuit of, of Jesus. I didn't necessarily know what that meant, but I knew I wanted to tell everybody about who Jesus was. Um, and I had this passion inside of me. And I didn't really know that it was going to lead me into ministry and the experiences that I had so many years later and still experiencing now. Um, because in the, that world in eastern Kentucky, um, I had two experiences with pastors. I had pastors in, in the Methodist church that would be around for a couple years, and then they would be moved to a different Methodist church. Um, and that wasn't something that necessarily appealed to me. Um, the other pastors that I saw in my community were um, coal miners that would work in the coal mines all day long, and then on Wednesdays and Sundays they would come and they would preach a message. And I had no clue what a church staff was, what it would look like to dedicate myself fully vocationally uh, to, to ministry. And so I graduated high school, uh, and I came to Texas to go to college. I went to the University of North Texas. Go Mean Green. <laughs> Nobody else in here? Just me? All right. Um, I can handle that. And I found myself with a, a decision to make in a pivotal moment of my testimony that I could pursue Christ fully in this moment, get plugged into a church and, and pursue him, or I could pr pursue myself. And there was somebody at a church in Denton that, that I knew, and I was really excited about wanting to get involved in that church. Um, and they ended up being called somewhere else, and that halted my decision. So my decision, instead of pursuing Jesus Christ, instead of pursuing ministry, um, my decision was to pursue my flesh. So instead of devoting myself to teaching God's Word, I got a, a job at a golf course. Um, and I started to build relationships with other people that worked at this golf course that weren't pursuing the Lord as well. And those were selfish ambition decisions to pursue relationships with them, not because I shouldn't pursue relationships with them, but because the only reason I wanted a relationship with them is because I felt lonely and they were feeling a void um, that was in my life. Essentially, I was using them. It was extremely selfish. And so for a short season, I was making very, very poor decisions. I wasn't going to church, wasn't reading my Bible, I wasn't trying to build relationships that would, would lift me up. Every decision that I was making was leading towards satisfying my own flesh. I felt really convicted about that a little while into the season, and I decided I was going to go back to church. And so I went back to the church that I knew of, and I got plugged in there. I became an intern in their evangelism department. And God set the stage for my entire life, my entire adult life, being in ministry. 
And so again, our life is defined by the decisions that we make. So it wasn't void of consequences. It wasn't void of of challenges and, and difficulty. But my prayer for these seniors that we just got to pray over and, and celebrate is that their testimony wouldn't take a dip in the season that they, they're about to walk into. That the decisions that they make extend their testimony on that leads other people to Jesus Christ. So as a church, I want to challenge us to continue to pray for that. We had two very amazing examples on this stage this morning of Hannah Oberstee, our student associate, on stage with our students that I remember years ago as the student pastor here, her standing on that stage as a senior and now investing into the students of our church. We had Kaylin, who just graduated a year ago and is singing and leading our church in worship. That testimony continues on. And so as I sat on that front row and, and watching them and seeing our seniors and being excited about our church, being able to be a foundation Uh, of support for those seniors and the decisions that they're about to make. So that's what we're going to look at this morning as we dive into Proverbs 3. We're going to look at the decisions that we make and how can we make good decisions as believers. What does it look like for us to make the best decisions possible? Because the bigger decisions that we have, the bigger consequences that we have. And so as I was preparing for this message, um, I put out a little, little Facebook post. I just asked, like, what's the biggest decision you've ever made in your life. And the responses that I got were incredible. Like I got to spend a a lot of time just really praying over and evaluating what some of those responses were. And you saw um, moving to a different state, trusting God to, to, to lead on an adventure that they didn't necessarily know what the answers were going to be. Saw relationships and, and, and decision to, to get married and to, to have a family. And just response after response was just filled with these massive decisions that have even bigger consequences. So that we have decisions to make in our life and that we have to understand in Galatians 6-7, a man reaps what he sows. And so the best way that we can reap the blessing of what we sow is learning how to make the best decisions that we can make in in trusting God. And so we're going to look at that this morning. And so again, as I, I shared a little bit of my testimony of, of the dip that I had in a season of, of not pursuing God fully, once I made the decision uh, to be an intern at that church, and I continued to feel uh, the Lord pull on my heart to call me into ministry, uh, I wanted to pursue student ministry. And I grew up not knowing what student ministry was. I didn't know what summer camp was. I didn't know what Disciples Now were. All the things that our students get to, to be a part of. That wasn't a part of the culture of the churches that I grew up in, grew up in and in my area. Um, and so I got to experience a lot of those for the very first time. I was like, I want to be a student pastor. Like, I want to invest in the lives of teenagers because I don't want their testimonies to go off to college or to go into the workforce or to go into the military and feel like they have to pursue themselves in that moment. I want them to be able to graduate and say, I'm going to pursue God even more than when I was in this season as a kid. And so I felt this passion and this tug uh, to be in student ministry. And so one day I went to the Baptist Student uh, Union at the University of North Texas, and they would feed us lunch every once in a while. So if you have food, that's where college students go. And I sat down at a table and I was eating lunch and a flyer was on the table and it said, Southmont Baptist Church needs youth workers. 
And so I'd been serving at a different church in the evangelism department, but I felt called to do student ministry. And I was like, they, they actually need some student help. So I had a number and I had a name. So I called the church and uh, somebody answered and I go, hey, I got this flyer that you're looking for help in the student ministry and I, I'm a college student. Um, I'm going to graduate soon and I would love to get involved in, in the lives of the teenagers at Southmont. And they said, how about you come on Wednesday morning and visit with, at the time, was their interim student pastor. His name was Todd. Um, and he can tell you how you're going to get plugged in. I go, that f- seems fantastic. It's great. Um, and so I scheduled a time to go on Wednesday morning. Uh, but in between then, I had a date. Believe it or not, I had some game back in the day. And I set up a date. We were going to Beth Marie's in Denton, Texas, on the square. It's an ice cream place that does homemade ice cream. If you ever find yourself in Denton, go to Beth Marie's. It's incredible. Um, and so I was really excited about this date. I was really excited about uh, potentially serving in student ministry, and everything was coming together. These big deci- decisions were looming. Um, and so I park on the square, and I'm running a few minutes late, and I'm about to cross the street to get to Beth Marie's. And I look right, and I look left, make sure traffic was coming. I see a truck coming in the distance, um, and I looked, and I had the, uh, the walk signal. I was like, surely that truck's going to stop. So I stuck, go to dart across the street, and this truck doesn't stop. And it just hits me full force. I flip over the hood, land on my head on the concrete, and immediately I, everybody around the square like rushed to me. And I didn't feel pain. I didn't feel frustration. I wasn't mad. I immediately was just embarrassed. And so I pop up, like blood started to trickle, trickle down my, my forehead uh, a little bit, and all these people around, and I just popped back up on my feet. And I was like, hey, I'm fine, I'm good. Uh, sweatshirt's all torn up, everything's great. Uh, totally forgot about my date in Beth Marie's. I go back to my car, and I call my grandmother. I go, hey, I think you might want to meet me at the hospital. Uh, I'm bleeding a little bit, probably have a concussion, and a truck just hit me, so just meet me there. Um, so I go to the emergency room. Everything was fine. They bandaged up my head. Um, never saw that girl again, um, but just kidding. I saw her again at school, told her what happened, but we didn't go on a date, and I married Natalie happily ever after. Um, um, but then I started thinking, it was like the next day, that Wednesday, I'm supposed to have this appointment to go learn about this student ministry. And I didn't want to go. I was embarrassed. I had a giant bandage on my head. I had to explain that I'm a dummy that gets hit by cars. Um, and I started to trust God. And I prayed about it, and I decided to go. And I met with Todd. Shortly after that, they'd hired a, a new student pastor. And in that church, I was a volunteer. I became an intern. I became the junior high pastor. I became the head student pastor. A decision to still go meet with Todd to be a volunteer had lifelong consequences. That decision has led me to a point where I'm standing behind this podium preaching God's word to y'all today. So I want to talk a little bit further about decisions that we have to make. And so we have so many options. We have so many voices Uh, We have the world telling us to make certain types of decisions. We have um, other people that we might not trust or need to trust really well in our ear. But God wants to guide us. And here's the the, the big thing to me. He wants to simplify our decision-making. So many times we get stuck in decisions. During COVID, I had a thing called decision fatigue. We're having to make so many decisions to figure out church that I wanted to do anything but make a decision. I would go home and nightly say, what, you want, what do you want for dinner? And I was like, I will eat absolutely anything as long as I don't have to choose what we're eating. 
God wants to guide us, and He wants to simplify our decision-making. So if you have your Bibles, open up uh, to Proverbs 3, and we're just going to look at verses 5 and 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all ways, submit to Him, and He will make your path straight. So in order to make godly decisions, you have to trust God. So it's the first thing that we're going to look at today. Uh, the very first part of this passage was trust in the Lord with all of your heart. So we have to trust Him. And so I was reading a devotional about trust and trusting God, uh, and this devotional said this. It says, trust is the confidence in someone's competence. That was mind-blowing to me, that the reason that I trust God is because He's proven Himself over and over to me that He's trustworthy. Whether it's getting hit by a truck that leads me to have a conversation with a student pastor that led me into a life of ministry, redeeming my testimony in the season of life that, that I wasn't making the best decisions and I was pursuing my flesh over pursuing God, and he redeemed that path. Time and time again, he's proven himself trustworthy. So again, trust is the confidence in someone's competence. So I have a question for you guys. As you, you look at me on the stage, would you trust me to be your personal trainer? I wouldn't. I was like, Jackie's the only one that had the, the, the guts to say, nope, and then laugh. Um, I wouldn't trust myself to be your personal trainer. The competence that I have to be a personal trainer isn't there. I wouldn't, I wouldn't prove myself trustworthy. But we have a God in our life that proves himself trustworthy time and time again, not only in our own testimonies, but you see it in Scripture over and over again, God's people turning away from him, and he continues to stay there with them. Now, there's consequences to the big decisions that they make, but God never leaves them. He's proven himself trustworthy. So as we make big decisions, as we face the things that we're facing, and I know from those Facebook comments that I was getting, a lot of y'all are facing huge decisions or have faced huge decisions before. And so the first thing that we have to do in order to make a good decision is to trust God and have the confidence in his competence. As we trust God that he's also blessed us with relationships with others that are extremely important. So this is the next thing that I would tell you. As we trust in the Lord with all of our heart, we trust his word, but we also trust those that trust him. You have people in your life, you have relationships that you have been blessed with that trust the Lord above all else. And so when you're faced with a difficult decision and you're trying to trust God, allow those in your life that trust him to encourage you to continue to trust in him because we have confidence in his competence. So I started thinking about the relationships that I have. Uh, one that's extremely important to me is, is our senior pastor, Blake Switzer. He wears a lot of hats for me. Like, he wears more hats than probably anybody else in my life, that he's one of my best friends. Um, he's my pastor. He's my boss. That's a lot of hats for him to have to, to juggle. And a lot of times I'll go into his office and I'll let him know, it's like, okay, now I need friend. Sometimes I'll go in his office, like, I need my, my, my boss right now. Right now I need my pastor. And so many times he's helped me in each and every one of those hats because I know his relationship with God and I know how he trusts him. So I trust those that trust God. Another one is a good friend of mine who I've known 
for years and years and years that we meet every single Friday for breakfast. We have accountability. I have confidence in him to encourage me to continue to pursue God. Next one's my wife, Natalie. That our marriage, its foundation is built on both of us pursuing Christ individually and then pursuing Christ as a family. So I trust her relationship with God that when we have to make big decisions, that we make those things together. So I have confidence in her competence in her life pursuing the Lord. So trust in God and trust in the relationships that he's blessed you with and those that know who Jesus Christ is as well. The next thing that I want us to look at as we, we, we dive into this scripture is we're called not to lean on our own understanding. So in order to make a godly decision, a good decision, you have to understand that you don't know it all. That's something extremely hard for me because I, I come from a long line of know-it-alls. We'll tell you exactly how to fix something, how to do something. We know exactly how everything should be. I come from a long list of know-it-alls. And so what I have to continue to remind myself is I don't know anything. It's what I want to remind the teenagers on stage at 11 o'clock. They're going to hear me let them know. It's like, you don't know nothing. You don't know anything. So it's important for us to know that we can't lean on our own understanding and that we have to have all the information available to us in order to make a wise decision. And so a very important thing for you all to know as you make decisions that are going to have giant consequences is that you understand that you don't know it all. We have to make sure that we're not God, that we're trusting him fully. So there's a story that I read recently about a, a pilot and that she was um, flying her, her private plane um, over the Atlantic Ocean. So she had taken off um, and she's looking around and she sees land and everything and then she makes her way over the ocean um, and she gets disoriented. The blue sky looks very similar to the blue ocean. She looks at her instruments and her instruments are going crazy. She can't quite figure out where her plane is going or what it is doing and so she reverts back to the training that she had had um, pilots have to go through uh, a, an instrument rating, so they have to learn how to fly the airplane, not visually with what they look outside the window, but they have to look at their instruments alone. And so she's trying to look at the instruments and figure out what the plane is doing and try to get control of it, um, but she ha kept having this temptation to look out the window, and she remembered what her flight instructor told her. It says, when you're in this moment, you have to trust the information that is in front of you, to only look at the instruments, never ever look outside the window because your eyes are going to lie to you. And so she remembers that tip, she looks at just her instrument, and she gets control of the airplane, and she flies it, lands it safely. Story ends in a happy ending. So you have to understand, we don't know it all, we have to trust God and trust the things that he's given us, and he's given us his word. That's our instrument rating, is scripture. That we know he has confidence because of the confidence that we have in him. Because of what he's told us in scripture, what he's done for us in our testimonies, and how he's dependable time and time again. But church, here's the thing you have to understand. You're making big decisions. You don't have all the information because God is bigger than all of us. 
So we trust in the one that does have all the information. Our flesh is going to fail us. Our eyes are going to deceive us. Everything about ourself is going to push us towards a very poor decision. Unless we trust God. We trust the instruments that he's put in front of us. We trust the relationships that he's blessed us with. So we have confidence in him because of his competency. Where we don't know anything, he knows it all. In verse 6, it says, submit to him and he will make your path straight. So the third thing that we have to understand when we're making these huge decisions is that we have to submit to him. And here's what I want to tell you, church. Submission isn't halfway. And so many times, I know for myself and I know for a lot of you in this room, we want to submit to the Lord in areas that we have our life mapped out in several different areas and that we'll give God this and we'll give him this and we'll give him this, but I'm going to hang on to this, this, and this. In order to make the best possible decision that we can make, in order for us to have a testimony where we pursue him above all else, we have to submit fully to who he is. We have to to fight against making ourselves God. The last part of verse 6, it says that he will make your path straight. God will lead you. Now here's the best thing about him. Even if we're not pursuing him, even our testimony takes a dip and our flesh wins out over our pursuit of Jesus Christ, he redeems the wrong path. That's how much he knows is that even if we make a poor choice, he's on the other end to redeem it. Romans 8.28 says that he works all things to the good of those who follow him and called according to his purpose. His sovereignty redeems poor choices. His sovereignty also redeems what we perceive for ourselves as a poor choice. But really, God has us on a path to glorify Him. So we have to understand, our, in order for Him to set our path straight, we have to let Him lead us. Further on in my testimony, I was at Southmont Baptist Church for several years as our student pastor. And it was difficult. I, uh, almost 100% of my time there was without a senior pastor. Had nobody in spiritual leadership or spiritual authority inside that church over me. So I had to find it on my own, trusting in God and trusting the people that he blessed me with. That season came to an end, and I went to Four Corners Church in Plano. I was so excited about that decision. That church had financial struggles, it had challenges on top of challenges that I wasn't aware about. And in the midst of that moment, I remember we would get paid on Fridays and we'd have hard checks and we would all race to the bank to cash our checks so that we could deposit cash into the account because that bank sometimes didn't have enough money in it to cover our paychecks. So all of us would race there. And so in the midst of living that ministry moment, like I felt like it was a bad decision time and time again. But in that moment... God redeemed what was a perceived bad decision, and looking back now, it was the best decision I've ever made in my life. I have the best relationships that I ever had that have lasted a lifetime uh, in that church. The Drydens are, are, are some of those people. So God redeems these paths. The opportunity that I had right there in that church to be able to grow as a pastor led me to Gateway Community Church, to be able to do student ministry here, to do discipleship ministry, and now as the associate pastor. 
So church, as we get ready to close and we get ready to walk out of this, this, this worship center, I'm not sure what decisions you're having to make. I'm not sure what's all going on in your life. I'm not sure the consequences that you're still feeling from past decisions. But I'm here to tell you, trust God. Don't lean on your own understanding. Understand that he knows you better than you know yourself. So don't lean on your own understanding. Submit fully to him. Just don't give bits and pieces of your life to him. Give him all of who you are. And he's going to make your path straight. This past few weeks have been extremely heavy as a church. We've had people in our church um, diagnosed with illnesses. Our community has been hurting. There's been huge decisions that have been had to, to, to make as a church. It's difficult and it's challenging. But here's one of the biggest blessings, church. We get to trust him together. We get to depend on the competency that we all have in our pursuit collectively of him. We understand that he knows us better than we know ourselves. So as we pursue him collectively, we know that he has the outcomes already figured out. We're called just to pursue him and pursue him alone. We get to submit to him fully together. That as we sacrifice, as we live a life of ministry that has challenges and difficulties and, and, and just unbelievable circumstances that are weighing heavy on ourselves, that we submit fully to him and allow him to take that weight off of our shoulders and that we trust him to make our path straight. He redeems good decisions. He redeems bad decisions. And again, he knows us better than we know ourselves. So let's pray right now that whatever decisions that we're having to make, that we trust in him fully. Let's pray. Lord, I come before you this morning. I thank you so much for the opportunity we get to dive into your word, that we look at, at two verses in a huge Bible and that you teach us so much from it. So, Lord, I pray for more of your Holy Spirit to dwell heavy in this place. Lord, as we are making decisions, I pray that we trust you fully. I pray that we don't lean on our own understanding. I pray that we submit everything to you. And, Lord, I pray that you make our path straight. Lord, I pray that our testimonies ring out that we trust you, that you know us better than we know ourselves. And so, Lord, I pray for the decisions that are looming over us in this room, that it leads to others coming to know who Jesus Christ is. Lord, I pray for the decisions that are looming over us in this room, that it points us directly to you, and that we are encouraged and that we have joy because we know the creator of all things, the one that sent his son to die for us. You've redeemed our story. You've set our path straight. So, Lord, help us to give you all praise, all glory, and all honor. In Jesus' name, amen.